0: Hello, and welcome to Money Monday's powered by the Joseph Business School. I'm your host, Jill Thompson. And today's segment is about real estate, the real estate. And if you're a first time home buyer, you have tuned in to the right segment. Home ownership is a kingdom principle. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 24, verses three and four, through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches buying a home is an exciting time in your life and buying your first home is a big accomplishment there are some things however that you must learn before taking this leap of faith in ownership the Bible tells us that the wise seek counsel to avoid the pitfalls and snares of the enemy we do not want you to have buyers remorse so we've assembled a team of experts to answer all your questions around buying your first home. Today, we're bringing to the segment Walanda Cannon, Broker of Annie Real Estate. Lutalo McGee, Managing Broker of Annie Real Estate. Michelle Apointe Bosca, Loan Officer of Pearl Mortgage. And Yandi K. Morris Andrews of KMR Attorney Law Group. Without further ado, welcome everyone.
1: Hi, Hi. Georgia. Hi.
0: So let's start the dialogue with what's the difference between ownership and renting?
1: There's definitely a difference between ownership and renting. So some of the pros and cons would be those who are renters, of course, this is, you know, you might be in a lease situation. It can be a month to month, it can be a year term, it can be a two year term. Some of the advantages of renting is you might have a lower cost investment when you first, you know, kind of start, you know, you may have to put one month down or a couple months down, depending on the, the arrangement. You also won't have to be concerned about maintenance okay. or upkeep, that's usually the responsibility of the landlord or the property owner. And then you also um, have flexibility So if you decide that you're ready to move, you know, you give maybe a 30, 60 day notice that you're ready to move and you can kind of pick your family up and then go to the next location. Now the pros of owning a home, however, mm-hmm. is you know you you get some tax credits for a home ownership. You can get some write-offs yeah. with that. You have stability. Some people don't like to pick up and move and uproot their families after one or two years. Yeah. You also have the pride of ownership. You have um, your own space. No one can just you know like on the renter side where the pro was you can get up and move. Uh, the con is also someone can tell you to move in thirty yeah. or sixty days okay. too. And owning a yeah. home, you know, you, you kind of of Have those things kind of set? You know, a con to owning a home, though, is that you know the maintenance that would be, you know, the responsibility of the homeowner is now all yours. But yeah.
2: So just to add, one of the things that I think the difference between home ownership and renting is wealth building. Okay. Um, at the end of the day wherever you live you have to buy a building mm-hmm. um, the question is are you buying a building for yourself or are you buying it for someone else okay you could pay twelve thousand uh, dollars a year for mm-hmm. the next five years if you're renting and you own nothing on the back end you pay twelve thousand dollars a year and you own your own property theoretically you have some equity and stake in that property, which is basically generational wealth that you're building for your family.
0: Got it. Okay, (laughs) so can someone define what does a first-time home buyer look like? What's that definition?
3: Yeah I mean that's interesting and it, and it can vary because some people when you think about like programs out there grant money that's out there a first-time home buyer could be someone who's purchased before but hasn't owned in a long time yep. but typically a first-time home buyer someone who comes to us and says I've never done this before I know nothing about the process hold my hand through the entire thing mm-hmm. and so they're coming to Alondra they're coming to Lou in the very beginning saying. I just want to buy a house. Help me. And Mm -hmm. that's where they step in.
0: Got Mm -hmm. it. And you talked about a time frame there. So typically for a person who maybe has not been in this particular market in a while, what does that that time frame look like?
3: So I don't know exactly. And Michelle might be able to give exact guidelines, but there are some programs that say you couldn't have owned within the last like five or seven years or so. So let's say that you bought back in the 80s or 90s then you sold your home maybe during the recession and you rented for some years and then yeah. you came back and wanted to purchase again, there are some programs that could consider you a
0: new home buyer. Got it, okay, and then can we talk about what's required when buying your first home? What are that, what's, does that step, that checklist look like for that first time home buyer?
1: That's a really good question, Giorgio. I think that it looks, the the checklist is different at different phases, right? So when you're first, you know, kind of looking for your home, I think the first thing that I would say, and most people would not have this on their list, would be to educate yourself, Mm -hmm. not just on what homes are on the market, right? But attend a first time home buyer class, understand what all the steps are. Yeah, You know, um, another thing I would say is definitely begin to save. There are some instances where people can buy a home and Mm -hmm hardly bring anything to the table, right? But that doesn't mean that you won't have an investment up front. There is earnest money that's involved. Uh, there's inspections that are not necessarily required, but highly recommended. Those things are things that you pay. Um, you have an appraisal that has to get done for the home. All of those are expenses that are out of pocket before you get to the closing table, even if you don't have to pay out of your pocket at the closing table. So those are some things um, that, that I would say are some of the initial first steps. I know that there's some steps on the lending side um, as well. Yeah,
4: I think what's really important is for um, people to have a budget in mind as to what they actually want to spend on a mortgage. I think that's very important because, um, at the end of the day, uh, as a lender, I can tell a customer what they may qualify for according to guidelines, but yeah. ultimately, that person may not want to spend that much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, setting their own personal budget is gonna be number one. And then, of course, you know, going through the pre-approval process to find out what you're actually qualified for and what those numbers look like.
0: Okay, and you know, there was a, something that you brought up in the midst of the conversation, mm-hmm. earnest money. And I know it comes up quite often. People wanna know if I give it, do I get it back? Mm. What are some instances where a person did not receive their earnest money back, but can Ooh, someone also define what is earnest money?
3: Yeah, so earnest money is <coughs> essentially money that you're putting up at the start of the, the, start of the transaction, and it's like your good faith, it's your, your will to say, I am moving forward, I am serious, and you, you're starting your process. You've okay. signed your contract, the seller has accepted your contract. Now, earnest money, in theory, is always protected as long as the buyer is essentially doing right in the process. So let's say that we have a buyer, everything has gone right, we're getting ready to close and the buyer says, I changed my mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You, would not, you, you definitely would not get your earnest money back at that point. Yeah. Because at that point, the seller has taken the property off the market for you know the 60 days that it's taken for you to close. Um, they've maybe lost some money during that period, they've lost other potential offers. Yeah. So in that situation, a buyer, does you know they're going to lose their earnest money. But let's say that the buyer puts up earnest money and then they're working with Michelle to get their loan approved and for some reason their loan just does not get approved. Then the buyer is able to cancel that contract and they do get their earnest money back because they didn't act in any malice. It just didn't work.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. And so another thing you brought up is you said that there are several people that are involved in the process. So we know that there is the broker, Mm -hmm. which we have the two of you Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. who can kind of guide us through that process. Mm -hmm. We know that we have the lender and Mm -hmm. then also an attorney like yourself. But Mm -hmm. are there any other people who are part of the equation to get us into that
1: home? Absolutely. Um, When I was talking about kind of the process there's also your inspector okay now the inspector is you know they come in after you've found the house that you love you know you've submitted your earnest money in good faith that this is the house that you want Well, the inspector he's the one who's gonna do the litmus test to say is this house really worth you know you going through with this deal and so that inspector will come in and they'll assess the property they're just not they're not just looking for is the property safe but they're looking or, or, or they're not just looking for things that are apparent to our or natural eye, but they're also pulling back, you know what I mean? They're going in attics, they're checking for yeah. mold and termites and things that the regular buyer would not, you know, normally see. Okay, and depending on what comes back on that inspection report, it can determine if, if that first time home buyer or any buyer walks away from the deal or not. But mm-hmm. definitely an inspector and what insurance I would say, an insurance person mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. an,
4: appraiser. Yeah. an appraiser, yeah,
1: and so th- thinking of. Um,
4: Thinking
0: about what you just said, mm-hmm. does that also leave room for negotiation as far as the price of the purchasing price? When maybe I may go in and there are some issues in the attic or maybe there is some mold in the property. Does that allow me the ability to negotiate a contract? So normally
2: the price is not negotiable. There are times where we will go back and try and resubmit another offer if the the nature of what was found in inspection is is severe enough, Okay. Uh, but typically, we're negotiating the seller to do repairs or sometimes offer repair credits to address certain things that were found during the inspection.
0: Got it. Can either of you provide an example of maybe a client that you're working with um, who was a first-time... All first of time-
1: <laughs> no, I'm kidding.
0: Okay. Well, then maybe you can start the dialogue, Olanda. Tell us about maybe Gosh. a first-time home buyer that you've worked with so far um, who maybe was buying a home or maybe someone was purchasing a building as their first time.
1: Yeah, um, gosh, I feel like this, you know, seriously, that inspection, when you get that inspection report back, you are really with your buyer in, you know, just really trying to figure out really what's going to happen. I had one deal where there was mold in the attic, right? And so it wasn't a lot of mold, Mm -hmm. but it was about, you know, a good patch of it. And so my client really, really wanted the property. Mm -hmm. We had been looking for about three months or so. And, you know, and for my client, that was a really, really big deal. And the seller did not want to budge and wow. get that mold remediated and we were in that space and Yandi, I think you work with me on this deal we were in that space for a little bit and had to go back and forth ultimately the seller ended up doing it the inspection mm. the inspector came back out to verify that that mold was remediated but it almost tore that deal apart. And my client and I were gonna be back pounding the pavement looking for a new house, but that happens, it happens often.
2: One of the interesting things with inspections, and we talk about our clients, we talk with our clients about this all the time, is that sometimes things found during an inspection don't necessarily require us to go back and try and negotiate with the seller, mm-hmm. um, if you had a phenomenal broker and that broker was able to negotiate a great deal, okay. and let's mm-hmm. say you get their property $10,000 below market value, mm-hmm. if the inspector comes and finds 15 things, but the estimate for those 15 things comes up to $1,000, mm-hmm. you may not want to go back to the seller and say, hey, I need you to address these 15 things because you already got a great deal. Yeah, you're already getting yeah. the $10,000 less. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what we tell our clients all the time is always contingent and always stipulated based on what kind of deal you're
0: getting. I
1: agree with that. Can I also say this too? You asked a question about, um, what does a person need you know when they're preparing for a home? Uh, Michelle said, you know, have your budget in mind. Yes. I would also say for first time home buyers, have your ideal situation in mind. What's your motivator? Are you looking to, you know, expand the space for your family okay. and that's what you need? Are you looking to get a deal where you can save money and that's what you need? Are you looking to be in a certain location and that's what you need? All of those factors drive the your activity Ooh. and the activity for your realtor. And, and I'm going to tell you like in, in buying a home for some people can be really, really emotional. Okay. And when you in the space are in the spaces of negotiating and trying to put a deal together, a, a good agent is going to bring you back to your vision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we know this, right? The vision, make it plain, yeah. right? A good agent will bring you back to your vision and say, okay, when we first started, here were your truths. This is why mm-hmm. you were looking. This is what you were looking so that they, you don't get clouded by all of this turmoil of how I'm feeling and they're trying to take advantage yeah of me you know what i mean so i would say that
3: and i just want to add that i think it's just it's really important to make sure you have a really good team yeah so just on a personal level i purchased a home my husband and i purchased a home a few months ago and lou was our agent on that transaction michelle was our lender on that transaction congratulations (laughs) and so um it was literally our dream house and and lou knew that ralanda knew that everyone understood that that was our dream house but in the inspection process we found you know certain things that popped up. Um, Within a moment's notice, my team pulled together, uh, you know, an engineer to come to the house to help, an architect, you know, people to help me figure out, is this house the house for us, even though it's our dream? Mm -hmm. And so if we had had an agent that didn't have contacts you know all throughout the industry, I don't know what we would have done. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to make sure you have the right people on your team because every real estate agent does not have those types of resources. Yeah, uh, to make sure that we get you know what we need done. Mm-hmm. I also
2: think uh, the professional that you work with have to have a sense of ethics um, agent, your lender, your attorney, etc. Because there's so many different things that come up that increase the risk mm. for a first time home buyer if they don't have people who are professional. Unfortunately, we do have people in our business who their primary focus is just kinda of making money and not yeah. necessarily taking care of people. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, the professional that you wanna work with, you wanna make sure that they have a history of taking care of people, yeah. right? As well as, you know, turning sales.
0: Yeah. So, Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in addition to just thinking about a home in general, what about for those who are interested in maybe townhomes or even condos for their first property do you guys educate them on maybe the fees that are associated with associated with those types of things like um i believe i've heard the term hoa fees yeah Yeah. can someone explain that
4: absolutely um so kind of going back to the budget when when i first talked to someone initially about what they're looking to spend Mm -hmm. that housing payment is inclusive of an assessment if it is a condo or townhome Um, The assessment is going to include various things depending on the building and you guys may be able to add more to that. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it just covers the maintenance of the property of the common areas, the insurance. Um, In other cases it may include snow removal Mm -hmm. um, or there may be a gym in the building. So it kind of just depends on what is inclusive in that building. But that assessment fee is going to be part of your monthly payment. So when we're talking about what's your monthly payment, we're considering what the assessment may look like in addition to your taxes and insurance. Just to
2: rewind a little bit, just in case first-time home buyers that are watching don't necessarily know what an HOA is or an assessment is, basically when you buy a condo or a townhome, there's basically like a governing organization over that condo complex or that okay. townhome complex. Yeah. And they're responsible for things like exterior maintenance, maintaining building insurance mm-hmm. in case something happens to the structure, uh, and a number of other things depending on the, the typical um, project for the Got most it. part. So in order to maintain that government, you kinda gotta pay taxes or dues to that Mm -hmm. government, which is what your HOA is.
1: Okay. The other thing I wanna say on that too is, so you'll have your HOA um, fee that's Mm -hmm. built into, you know, kind of your overall monthly payment. But sometimes there might be special assessments that are connected to that particular homeowners association. Also, if you're in a luxurious area, or even sometimes not, you'll pay for parking. You know, Mm. you'll pay condos downtown, their parking is $25,000 a year just for the parking space on top of what you're paying for the property. Sometimes you'll pay for storage areas as well. And so those are additional things like when you're considering a condo or a townhouse. The other thing too is Mm. the difference between Um, A regular home and when you're buying a condo or I should say getting approved for a condo or a Mm -hmm. town home is the health of that condo association. Just because you like it doesn't mean that your lender will approve you getting into that space. They are looking at not just that unit or you as a buyer, they are looking at are there foreclosures within that association or condo unit. They're also looking at um, are homeowners within that unit paying their HOA fees, is the HOA responsible? Do they have track records? Mm -hmm. Are they having meetings and minutes and bylaws? So there's a lot that comes into other than what you would pay There's a lot that comes into buying a condo in a townhouse as well
3: And I wanted to add to that So just so people can have some sort of idea about what HOA fees could look like if you're buying a home in let's say Bronzeville or Kenwood Um, sometimes you'll see association fees as low as $150 up to maybe $300 a month depending on what all it includes. Mm -hmm. I've looked at uh, condos and townhomes in like the Hyde Park area for instance And if the building is old sometimes Mm -hmm. those assessments are anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a month. On top of your mortgage. On top of all of your monthly fees. Mm -hmm. If you're downtown Mm -hmm. where there's a doorman and a gym and a pool you might be looking at $1,200 a month. Mm -hmm. So all of that varies and Mm -hmm. Walanda brought up a good point about special assessments and so that essentially means that there's something that happened in the property that the that the uh, property owners have to cover so an example of that would be that there needs to be a new roof okay. and so what happens is let's say that you have a building with 10 different unit owners and for easy math let's say the roof is going to be ten thousand dollars okay that means that on top of your regular assessments on top of your mortgage payment there's a $10,000 gap that has to be filled mm-hmm. and each owner has to contribute to that. Mm-hmm. So that might be $1,000 that each owner has to pay toward that roof. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially something that you didn't necessarily plan for. But back to Alanda's point, associations often do try to build in for things like a roof needing to be replaced. Mm-hmm. So when you're budgeting and um, you know you have a treasurer for your HOA, mm-hmm. hopefully they have reserves in there for kind of rainy day expenses. Yeah.
0: Okay question for you. Mm-hmm. How does a first-time home buyer, because they're new to this process, how do they know if they're actually getting a good deal on a particular property? Let's say I'm a first-time home buyer. I know <laughs> nothing about this area, but okay. I know I want to move in it, and I know you gave an example of maybe like Bronzeville, and so let's say that there was a property over there for $400,000, and to me, I'm like, that number is outrageous. Mm-hmm. But to you, you may say, that's an excellent buy, Jill. Oh, wow. How do we know, where can we go and look to see this is the rate or the going high or low for this particular area?
2: So typically, if you're working with a realtor, your realtor should be your guide in terms of figuring out what the value of that property is. Um, We are bound by law, if we're given professional opinion, to prepare reports Mm -hmm. where we basically take that subject property that you're interested in and then look at comparables that are like it. Okay. And what we use, or what a common term is, an apple to apple comparison. So let's say I'm looking at a single family in Beverly, three Mm -hmm. bedroom, two baths. I'm going to look for other single family, three bedroom, two baths that have sold in that immediate area in that neighborhood defined by specific boundaries in the last couple months, okay. and I want to see what they sold for. And that kind of gives me a guide in terms of what the value of the subject property is. Okay, If there are a little bit of difference, let's say my subject property has a garage, but the comparables don't have a garage, I may adjust just to add the value of the garage. Got it. Um, but that's how we kind of determine what the value is. And it's important, it's critically important, yeah. because if you don't know what the value of that property is and you enter into a contract, you gotta pay the fees that gonna talked about. You gotta pay for an inspection, you gotta pay for an appraisal, and if it comes back and it doesn't appraise out, there's a chance that that deal cancels, mm-hmm. and then the money that you would've paid leading up to that point, you basically would've lost.
0: Got it, so just to reiterate, for those of you who are watching, um, In order for you to effectively know if you're getting a good market rate, what he stated was is to compare apples to apples. So if you know you're interested in a three bedroom, two bathroom home, then how they do it is is they assess it based upon what other properties that are three bedroom, two bathrooms that are in that community or in that area and the prices that they have been selling for. That's how you know if you're getting a great rate. And there are a couple of things I want to add to that.
2: So typically we look at similar exterior types. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking at a brick, I'm going to look at a brick property. Mm-hmm. We look at kind of the same age range in terms of when that property was built or mm-hmm. either rehabbed. This is good information. Um, or um, just similar conditions, square, square footage, footage mm-hmm. similar size, okay. I'm not going to compare a thousand dollar home to, a, to I mean, a, a thousand, thousand square, square foot home Got to a 2,500 square foot home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm going to look for similar conditions. So okay. if this has been recently rehab, I'm not going to pick a compare what hasn't been rehabbed in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: So. The other thing is that there, because there is going to be an appraisal done um, once the person goes through the process, the bank has an appraiser go out and they mm-hmm. determine whether or not the house is essentially worth what it's being sold for. Okay. So there's always a, you know, there's a second level of protection for the buyer because mm-hmm. the bank is not going to allow a person to buy that $400,000 home in Bronzewood that you spoke of if mm-hmm. it's actually only worth $350,000 that's yeah. good to know so yeah it'll it's it's like a catch-all for us to make sure that that person is buying a home that's worth what they say it's worth mm-hmm. i don't want
2: to belabor the point it's important for your realtor to really give you an idea of what it's valued up front okay. so we don't get to an appraisal and then the appraisal doesn't support the value because mm-hmm. okay. then the attorney would have spent a bunch of time working with you yeah and it doesn't go through your realtor would have spent a bunch of time as well as your as your lender.
1: Georgio, just one more thing on that Looking at the value or understanding if you're getting a good deal on a property is one thing when you're doing, you know, if you, when you have a realtor to kind of do what we call a comparative market analysis. Okay. That's what, that's the report kind of that Lou is talking about. But there are also things that when, let's say you find the house that you're looking for, you love this house, mm-hmm. before you submit an offer on that house, yes, you want to see if, you know, if it's up to market standard, but there are also other things on the back end that may not be visible. Okay. Are there any violations on the home? Is there, is this a court order? at home, where it has to get approved before it can even be sold, is it in a state? Yeah. Uh, all of these things, your real estate professional, um, at least that's that's the practice that I have and that um, Lou has administered in our offices, you do the back-end research and due diligence. Okay. Now you can go through the deal and not do that due diligence, but it's going to hit you at some point in the process. Got It'll it. When Yandi's going through or Michelle, the lender, is going through, those things will come up. And the thing is, you'll need You know, sometimes violations, um, uh, the brunt of getting those things fixed will not land on the seller. It might land on you as the buyer. So you might be getting a Mm $20,000 deal on a property, but you might be faced with a $10,000 fine once you get into Mm -hmm. the property. And you need to know that before you go into a deal. So that also factors. Okay. And, you know, one
0: thing I've noticed is we've been using the word realtor and then broker. Mm -hmm. Are they the same thing?
2: So technically, no. Um, A broker is a real estate agent right? Okay. in Illinois, um, and they can be a part of the National Association of Realtors, and then they have that branding, or they can operate independent of the National Association of Realtors. If they operate independently, they're still a licensed real estate agent or licensed real estate broker. They're just not affiliated with that interest group.
0: Got it, okay. And then two, just to kind of bring in our lender in on this conversation, Typically, what would you say are some interest rates that you've seen for a first-time home buyer?
4: Well, there are a few different first-time home buyer programs. Um, some of the first-time home buyer programs may be for uh, down payment assistance, right? So um, there may be getting assistance from the state of Illinois, for example. And so, if you're receiving some sort of assistance, the interest rate is actually going to be higher than if you're getting a standard okay. uh, program mm-hmm. because there's help, right? So. Um, So you have to consider that interest rate and that payment if you're going to get some sort of help for the down payment. Um, Other first-time buyer programs will provide an incentive with a lower interest rate. So now, maybe you're a first-time buyer um, and you're looking to put a a minimum down payment of 3%, you can possibly get an interest rate uh, similar to somebody who's putting 20% down. Okay. So um, those are the two different first-time buyer programs, generally speaking. Um, So interest rates will vary. You know, I've seen Mm -hmm. rates uh, right now, rates are in the mid-fours for a 30-year fixed if you're going with a standard conventional program. Um, But if you're going with down payment assistance, now you're actually at the mid-fives with down payment assistance. Michelle,
2: can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. Um, Just for those that may be watching, what what do you mean when you say fixed? And what is Mm -hmm. the opposite of fixed?
4: So um, as far as down down payment assistance and then uh, lender programs, so fixed would be a fixed interest rate. So maybe, um, usually first time home buyers are gonna go with a fixed rate. That means that your rate is never gonna change. That payment's always gonna remain the same. If there isn't a fixed rate, there's gonna be an adjustable rate. So that may mean that your rate may be fixed for a a short period of time, anywhere from three years, five years, seven years, or possibly 10 years. Those are the adjustments for the adjustable year mortgage. Can can I actually dive right into like? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So generally speaking, there's two types of of lending programs. You're either going to get a conventional loan or you're going to get a government loan. And you know, what I always tell people, the biggest difference between the two loan types has to do not just with minimum down payment, um, but or interest rates, but also there's something called um, PMI or also referred to as mortgage insurance. So mostly first-time buyers are looking to do minimum down payment, right? Would you guys agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, if, you have, you know, if you're have, if you looking to do minimum down payment, you are usually going to pay a mortgage insurance uh, premium as part of your monthly payment. And so, this mortgage insurance premium is built into your monthly payment, but with a conventional loan, at some point in the future, when you've built enough equity, you can cancel this insurance, right? If you go with an FHA loan, which is a government loan, this insurance is not cancelable. So if you have an FHA loan, you put the minimum down payment, you um, own that home for 30 years, and you pay that mortgage for 30 years, that 30 years will always have an insurance payment. Okay. Okay. And the insurance is to protect the lender. And so it's all about risk, right? So the bank is looking at um, lending you money, but it's all risk-based. So if you're putting minimum down, then of course they want to protect themselves. And so that's why there's insurance in place. And so the rule is that if you go with a conventional loan and you're putting less than 20% down, then you're required to pay insurance. Um, but if you're getting an FHA loan, you're always going to have this insurance because that's how the, the loan is funded. Because this is uh, guaranteed monies to um, the lender by the government. So that's why it's a little bit different. So that's one of the biggest differences, okay. um, and that's also the two basic loan types.
0: Okay, and I know you referenced uh, conventional as well as FHA, but what about for first-time home buyers that are maybe veterans? That's an something? excellent
4: program. Yes, so if you are a veteran, um, there is a VA loan that's available to you, and that's actually one of the best programs that are out there because now there is no minimum down. You can actually get one hundred percent financing. That's good. And there's no insurance. So this mortgage insurance that I just talked about that is not related to the VA loan because this is a guaranteed loan um, backed by VA. So you actually have a smaller housing payment so if you're a veteran you definitely want to make sure that you're taking advantage of your va loan
0: that's good yeah, and good. so question is
1: this a good time to buy
4: i think it's always good time
1: to buy <laughs> <laughs> that's just my personal opinion okay. you know yeah. now there may be a, a um, uh, a more riskier time to buy in certain areas, okay. but I think that, like Lou said, when we first started, I think you know, home ownership is is just a nugget to mm-hmm. wealth generation and wealth creation, and I think that it's always you know a good time to do that. It's just finding what market works for you and your family and your budget and.
3: And I'll add yeah. that a lot of times at my closings when I'm letting the buyer know what their monthly payment is going to be, mm-hmm. it's oftentimes less than what they were paying in rent. The rent.
1: Mm-hmm. Um uh-huh. And so
3: that's a pretty big thing for them to know that every mm-hmm. every time they make that monthly payment, they're building equity mm-hmm. and it's less than what they were paying to their landlord. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's
0: not always that way, but, yeah. but a good amount of times it is. But that's a good question. I, I mean, a good point that you just brought up. I have a question because I've had people often ask about Um, Okay, if I get a, a home, then ultimately my mortgage is usually less than my rent. But we also know that there are a lot of things that homeowners become responsible for, that sure. they're paying for, that you're that maybe you weren't responsible for when you sure. were renting. And I believe you talked about that earlier, yeah. earlier in the dialogue. Yeah. So can we talk about, because what we really want to do is give a realistic perspective sure. to that first-time homebuyer where they're really not just jumping out there like, oh, okay, well, I can outdo or outpace what I'm paying for rent right now and dive directly into home ownership and let them know. What are some things they need to begin thinking about as far as fees to get to that bottom line number of what they'll be paying?
3: So I have a real-life situation of something that just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of us experienced the polar vortex here in Chicago recently, and I had a pipe burst. And so water was down in my basement, and oh my God, you know, (laughs) we had to deal with that. So that's a real-life expense. We had to file an insurance claim. There was a $2,500 deductible, and so that is a real-life experience and a real-life experience. expense that we had to take on. So we could not call a landlord in that situation. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world, though, because yeah. yes, that that did happen. But when whenever we decide that we want to sell our home, we will owe whatever we owe back to the bank. And let's say again, for easy math, let's say our home is we sell it for 200,000. We owe the bank 100,000, we walk away with 100,000. I mean, aside from the fact that we do have to pay our closing costs. So for me, it's a good trade-off. It's something that I understand we have to deal with as it just relates to being a homeowner, um, and you know we, we deal with it and you move on. So there are those pros and cons that Wilanda mm-hmm. spoke about, mm-hmm. um, but I I mean wholeheartedly believe that it's it's so much more benefit to own your home, um, you know, than to not.
2: But I also think it's. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I also think it's um, very important to make intelligent decisions when buying mm-hmm. a home. Um, one of the com- one of the things that I talk to a lot of first-time home buyers about is not necessarily buying a Cadillac
0: when yeah. it's better
2: to buy a Camry. Okay. Because when you're a homeowner, it does. When things come up, it falls back on you. Mm-hmm. And if you stretch your budget all the way to the max, when those things come up, then you're going to be in a position where you may not be able to handle it. Um, it's it's a it's critically important. Um, lenders will, and Michelle talked about this earlier. They'll tell you what you can purchase, mm-hmm. but sometimes what you can purchase is not what you should.
1: That's the other, the a, other oh, thing, can I say one more thing? Yeah. This is also really important, again, back to the inspection. Mm-hmm. So if you're going through your in, uh, in your inspection, you're, that probably takes two to four hours mm-hmm. just to kind of go. And you're walking through your home, you're walking with the inspector, but look at things. What's, what's the age of the roof? Your Realtor should know that or should be getting that information from you because mm-hmm. that's an expense. Are the windows newer? That's an expense. What about, is the the porch newer? If you live in the city of Chicago, porches have to be to a certain code That's an expense. Um, also, your furnace, how old is it? When will it need to be replaced? Your water heater, what's the age of it? So, when you're walking through, even if you decide not to negotiate, you got a really good deal on the home, you're going to close on the home, that's great. If you've walked through that inspection and you have that inspection report, remember the age of mm-hmm. those particular um, utilities because they're going to be coming at some point and that's going to be the expense of that first time home buyer. So, that's a a place where you can begin to save and think about what your expenses may be and when they'll hit.
0: Okay, and you know, it brings me to another point, um, just the the dialogue between the two of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it brings up this question about, well, we know that life sometimes happens. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is sometimes people may lose their jobs, Mm -hmm. some people may fall ill. And what do they do at that point in time? It's like, I'm not a renter anymore. Mm -hmm. This is my home and maybe I don't have employment at the moment what's available to them?
2: Well, that's why, well, first, I it's very important to kind of buy under your budget because Mm. you always have to have emergency funds when things come up. Real life is real life. Okay. Um, And there are some programs out here that will help someone who's lost their job and they cannot currently pay their mortgage. Um, But the reality is when it all boils down to it, it's gonna fall back on you and what your savings look like. Okay. So it's important not to stretch. And I say this over and over and over again. Some of my clients listen. Some of them yeah. don't. And I, I always pray that they're not coming back to me next year saying, hey Lou, can you sell my property? That no. I just sold yeah. it to it. It's just important to operate frugally um, mm-hmm. and financially wise. Yeah.
3: Okay. And I'll add that in your mortgage, there's actually a clause that talks about an acceleration. So in the event that you stop making your mortgage payments, let's mm-hmm. say you're three, four, five months you know, in default, the bank can accelerate your loan and say, okay, it's all due immediately because you're not making your payments. But if you communicate to the bank and you say, I've lost my job, I, you know, I'm on short-term disability, or whatever the case may be, the bank doesn't want to place a lien on your property. They don't want to take the property from you. They want to work with you. And That's so there are, yeah, there are ways that you can try to do what's called a loan modification, which is essentially some sort of like payment plan to get you back on track. So it's not the end of the world if you lose your job, but it's really important to be very communicative with your bank in the event that something like that happens Okay. so that they can jump in before you're like too far underwater to mm-hmm. help you get back on track. Mm-hmm. Got it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And then another question, what is equity? I keep hearing that word equity. <laughs> what is equity?
2: So equity is basically the difference in what you owe on that property mm-hmm. and what that property is worth on the market. Okay. So if you go to a realtor and you say, hey, how much is my property worth? And we do the comparative market analysis <laughs> and it's worth 200,000, mm-hmm. but you only owe 150, then theoretically you have about $50,000 in equity, equity in that property.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. And equity yep. means that that's your money in Absolutely. theory. In theory.
0: In theory.
3: If, if you sell your property and, you, and then lose, um, example you have fifty thousand dollars after you've paid your closing costs that's what you profit that's what you walk away and with your and, and your realtor fees, <laughs> and, okay. your fees. and your realtor <laughs> fees um, but after you
0: pay, you know after okay. you've paid everything that's what you essentially walk away with okay. okay and then two let's talk about taxes right so we know that ultimately there are taxes that we have to pay in addition to our mortgage what if i feel like my taxes are a bit too high what can i do yeah, so uh, the
3: Cook County Board of Review is actually a really great agency that their whole job is to try to lower your taxes mm-hmm. if you qualify. So essentially what they do is they look at your tax bill and let's say that your tax bill is $5,000 annually. You can file a complaint with the Cook County uh, Board of Review. You can do it online and you essentially say, I want to appeal my taxes. They will then look at the areas around you. So I remember Lou and Walanda kind of talked about you know, apples to apples. Mm-hmm. So they'll do the same thing. They'll look at your home, they'll say, you have a brick house, it's a three-story, or I'm sorry, three-room. Um, you know, they look at similar situated homes to see what other people in your area are paying. Okay. Um, they'll also look at other circumstances, like, you know, what if there are a lot of foreclosures in your area, mm-hmm. um, because that impacts the amount that your property taxes should be. So in the event that they say, okay, that we there's a case to be made that your taxes should be lower, they will lower them, and it's a, this is a free service.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. Does it ever work in reverse? like no, if that I was my next point? Okay, so they
3: cannot. <laughs> Th- their job is also not to raise taxes. Okay, good. Even that your appeal is denied. So, the worst thing that can happen is they will deny your appeal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's something that people should really take advantage of. In addition to that, there are all sorts of exemptions that people can qualify for. Mm-hmm. So, when you purchase a home, <coughs> there's something called a, a homeowner's exemption. Okay. And you have to have lived in your home as of January 1st of that year, and then mm-hmm. you file paperwork. And so, the next tax year, you're going to get a benefit from living there. Same thing if you're a senior citizen, same thing if you're disabled, or if you're a veteran. So it's really important to contact uh, the Cook County Assessor's Office once you've purchased a home to determine what your exemptions look like and any you know filing deadlines to mm-hmm. get that in place.
2: And for exi- existing homeowners, we're talking a lot about first-time homebuyers, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't have their exemptions renewed okay. and they're paying over the tax amount Mm -hmm. every year. Mm -hmm. I just actually had a listing consultation with a potential seller yesterday, Okay. looked at the taxes from last year and I saw that their homeowner exemption wasn't applied. So they're owed money, at least for that last year. Mm -hmm. And if they hadn't been doing it for the years before, they may be owed money and they can go back and appeal that and get that money back.
3: And so what they do in that instance is called filing for a certificate of error. And so you are basically saying there was an error on my taxes. I had not said yet that I was a veteran or had not Mm. told the assessor's office yet that I should have been getting this exemption and then they will go back, I believe there's a time frame, I think Is it's it only three years, years, three years that you know. they'll retroactively go back and pay you out and give okay. you a check for the fact that you were overpaying your taxes. And it can be a That's pretty, good pretty to know. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good mm-hmm. to know. But not for you to spend, for you to save. <laughs> it's for you to yeah. save and invest, That's there good. we go. Okay, so how does credit affect us as far as our ability to get a loan and then also the loan interest rate?
4: Credit is going to be very important. Um, The credit score is going to indicate what programs may be available to you. There are programs that also offer um, financing if you don't have a credit score, but you'll be limited. Um, So having good credit, because remember we go back to the fact that this is a risk for the lender, right? They're giving out Mm -hmm. money, so they have to assess the risk. And so if you have a good credit rating, then you have shown that you are responsible with your obligations, and so you're going to be looking at better interest rates, right? If your credit score is fair, um, not as strong, then you may not get the best market rate that's on the market, you know? Um, So that's how it's gonna affect you. So it's gonna affect the qualification of programs and then of course the rate that you'll be paying.
0: And question, so does the buyer have the right to maybe write letters to have those things that are derogatory on their credit removed?
4: Absolutely, yes. If you have looked over your credit and you do know that there are either errors um, or items that should have already been deleted, you can always file a dispute with all three credit bureaus to have those updated. It usually takes about 30 days for the creditor to respond, but definitely work on your credit if you know that there are items that have to be removed.
0: Got it. Okay. Now question, are there any other things maybe we're missing that we need to be educating the first time? I think we've covered I, a lot of information. Is. I do want to add on. Yeah.
4: So, When I went over the two basic loan types, I didn't dive in on the fact that there are programs out there that do allow buyers to buy with little to like 1% of the purchase price, which essentially means that you could potentially buy a home, let's go back to that $200,000 purchase price, you could essentially buy a home for $2,000 with the down payment assistance programs. Um, So I didn't dive into that earlier because I wanted to just kind of throw out the general information, but there are a lot of home buyer incentives and because there's so many programs and qualification, I don't, I didn't want to put no. too much information Go out there to make it confusing. But a person can buy with a, with little to like, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Um, but what I think is important in all this, as we discuss budget, when you're figuring out, you know, where what your monthly payment is, right? That's number one with your personal budget. The second part of your budget is how much cash can you spend comfortably? Okay. Um, there are different sources that you can use for your down payment. You may have checking savings, you may have a 401k that allows you to borrow against, um, you may have family that's willing to help you. It's important to, to determine at the beginning when you're figuring out your cash budget how much money can you put together for this purchase and of that how much money would you feel comfortable spending okay. because ultimately yes, you're going to be responsible for maintenance things may happen, life happens. so you want to make sure that you're buying with um, money left over in the bank for those what- ifs That's good to know. And I just
3: have um, two additional <coughs> thoughts. One is that Something that I didn't know about when, before I started my um, journey to wanting to purchase a home is that there are certain lo- loan products out there for entrepreneurs. So oh. um, there are people out there who are self-employed and who maybe, um, you know, in terms of what they write off, they might show that they write off too much and they can't afford a home, and so. Um, at least can't afford a home in terms of what they're showing in their taxes, Got right? Got okay. So, um, Michelle knows about programs that are out there that exist for people who are entrepreneurs who want to be able to qualify for a home but have to do so in a non-conventional way. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that there are also uh, 203K loans, which are loans for when you are looking to rehab a home.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so sometimes there are properties out there where someone says, you know what, I want to go in and I want to do... Some work myself, or I want to do a whole gut rehab, and so Michelle knows about those products as well to help people get into homes if they are interested in kind of making the home what their vision is of that property. Can I
2: weigh in on that? What? So one of the things with 203ks and any kind of renovation loan is that if you have a stomach to go through a renovation process, sometimes you can actually get the same home that you will buy from someone else finished for a little bit cheaper. So mm-hmm. let's say we're working with that $200,000 home that's been rehabbed. The investor has his profit built into that $200,000 price. Theoretically, you could probably or you might be able to get that home for 100000 put 50000 into it where it looks like that $200,000 mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. but you walk into a home that's just like the $200,000 home with $50,000 worth of equity.
0: Mm-hmm. So. so how do we know if it will cost us $50,000 to rehab? Remember, we're talking to a first-time home buyer yes. who really knows Nothing too much about sure. the cost, you know, as far as construction or yeah. rebuilding kitchens or things like that. So would our broker or realtor tell us, yeah, like, is, hey, it won't cost you that much. Take this deal.
1: Well, I would say if your realtor may not inform you, because they're not a contractor, right? But this is where your team is really important, and your realtor is almost kind of like the quarterback, so Mm -hmm. to speak, of your team, right? And so when I'm working with clients, I'm working with a client now who's doing a rehab, and so they're doing a full gut. So I went in with them, we saw the property, we made an offer, and I recommended that they got three contractors to come out, and Mm -hmm. so three contractors are talking to them to say this is what it will be to kind of, you know, put this into this home, now we're have an architect okay. that's coming in and kind of talking about it. Okay. And so I'm just kind of, I know what they want and I'm just kind of quarterbacking, you know, kind of everything. That's why it's really, really important. The realtor that you yeah. work with has to have your best interest in mind. And resources. And resources. Yeah. And you can kind of build the team. And we may not make recommendations, mm-hmm. right? Because the, oh, you're ultimately the owner and these are the people, when the deal is done, the realtor, mm-hmm. the attorney will be done and your contractor and architect, they're gonna be the ones who are gonna be finishing this. So the buyer ultimately has to have the right relationship, like it has to work. They're got ultimately it. making the decision. But your realtor is there saying, I got you, you know, here's a team yeah. of people, you know what I mean? Here, you know, here, yeah. he, th- they can inform you at this phase. Yeah,
2: That's I- fair. If you're doing a renovation, what the realtor is really, the, the critical role is really to tell you what that property is going to be worth after it's fixed up. Yeah, okay. Um, because you can work with a contractor or if you're doing a 203K, you'll work with a 203K specialist. That specialist will come in, analyze that property from top... bottom Mm -hmm. and tell you it's going to take you $75,000 to fix this property up. Mm -hmm. If you buy it at $100,000 and you put $75,000 into it, Mm -hmm. then we have to know that that property is going to be worth Mm $175,000 on the back end. Because if not, the deal is not feasible Mm -hmm. and everything falls apart. So your realtor is critical, I'm glad you said that, Mm -hmm. as the guide to make sure you're not getting into something that you can't finish.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, and I feel you guys pulling on me. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. ask the question. They want to know about the down payment assistance programs. Where Mm -hmm. can they find out about these programs? So That's to you and second part is as you mentioned about for the entrepreneur that there are programs available for them Where can they find out about those programs? So you first and then you can go
4: well, You can call me. <laughs> <laughs> my it's angry, simply put, right? <laughs> Her <shell. laughs> <Our> answer is <laughs> call Michelle.
1: There you go. Um, yeah,
4: the most popular program I will say is uh, the Illinois Housing Department Authority, um, IHDa.org. It'll have information on there about different programs, but that's one of many. I mean, we offer I think about eight different. Uh, actually nine different down payment assistance programs. That's good. They're really, I mean, there's too many to kind of share today, but I'm happy to go over all those different options and see what's best for you. Mm -hmm.
0: That's good information to know.
4: Okay, can someone explain
0: what happened in 2008 with the real estate bubble? (laughs) Does anybody want to take that question? It's
2: definitely sticking in a number of different angles when it comes to that. Um, You know, you talk to one economist, they'll say this. You talk to one realtor, they'll say that. Um, I think what what in essence happened is that a lot of properties that people bought were not worth what they thought they were, mm. um, and there's a number of reasons why that happened. Okay. Um, and and at the end of the day, those properties, a lot of them went into distress situations. Those pe- people couldn't pay the mortgage on them, and mm. they couldn't sell them to get their their money back, and it caused a crash in the housing market.
3: Okay. And there was a, so some lending that was happening for people who should not have. Qualified for loans, mm-hmm. so the process to get a loan was not nearly as strenuous as it is now, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people were essentially giving loans who could not really sustain their loan payment.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And what that
2: did is it created an uh, artificial demand. So if you got a bunch of people chasing properties because they can get loans easy without, yeah. without this oversight, yeah, got, get the, and <laughs> the, they would say <laughs> the, the that values don't. of the property go up, yeah, artificially and okay. at some point the bubble
0: burst. Okay, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, that's good information to know. Thank so you. is there anything additional that we may have missed in this first time home buyer segment that we need to make sure that we cover in this moment that you feel will be an essential piece?
2: I just wanna repeat, make sure you go, and Wilana said this earlier, make sure you go to a first time home buyer workshop and learn the process before getting into the process. Please. Okay, I will yeah.
1: also say that, um, I've worked with clients and they're, they would say, I'm not making enough money, or I have this kind of going on with my credit. And I would say, Locate yourself Mm -hmm. when I say locate yourself talk to a realtor talk to a lender There's so many clients that I have that I've worked with who are now in homes Who said that they were not ready and I got them connected with the lender with Michelle and they were like oh wow I can buy a home and their salary was you know They were like I didn't think I can buy a home at this salary and they are homeowners not just homeowners Some of them have bought multi-unit properties and so now they're collecting rents and so I would just say especially for the first time home buyer. sometimes there's a fear mm-hmm. that I'm not ready I don't make enough I can't live where I want to live or whatever but like Lou said we all have to live somewhere yeah right you can rent you can buy And you know I would just say locate yourself talk to a realtor talk to a lender and take this step and let's go ahead and get
0: the ball rolling guys so I'm excited <laughs> for all of you first-time home buyers who are tuning into this segment I want to thank you all for coming today on our show Thank you, for more information. Actually, let's, let's slow down. Mm-hmm. How can people contact each of you?
1: <laughs>
3: this is important. Absolutely.
0: So I am Yandy Morris of Knight Morris and Reddick
3: Law Group. I can be contacted uh, via email at ymorris at kmrlawgroup.com. Uh, or you can go to kmrlawgroup.com just in general to check out our website.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I am Lutala McGee, I am the owner and manager and broker of Ani Real Estate. If you want to contact me or anyone on my team, you can email us at office at anirealestate.com.
1: And I'm Walanda Cannon, I'm a realtor and broker with Ani Real Estate. I can be reached at walandacannon.com
4: or walandacannon at anirealestate.com. And I'm Michelle Ponte boxa with Pearl Mortgage. Um, my email address is michelle.boxa at mypearlteam.com.
0: Awesome. And thank you all for tuning
4: in to our segment
0: on First Time Home Buyer. We look forward to seeing you on our next segment where we will be talking about real estate investing. Tune in. Have a great day. We want to hear from you. Submit your questions in advance to Moneymondays at JBS.edu for our next podcast. Well, we'll be discussing real estate investing. For those of you who would like more information about the First Time Home Buyer Program or even workshops that we offer here at the Joseph Business School, be sure to tune in and check out our website at www.jbs.edu. There is a workshop that will be available and coming soon, April the 23rd this year from 6.15 to 9.15 p.m. For more information, check out our website Don't forget to join us every first and third Monday of the month for a new money topic around money management and wealth creation. Subscribe to the JBS YouTube channel. And as always, I'm your host, Jill Thompson, and I look forward to seeing you prosper.